0: Remember, for it to be a forward pass, it's got to go forward. Kaepernick ends on Crabtree,
1: broken up, picked off. This game is over. I'm the best corner in the game.
0: When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you won't get. Don't you ever talk about me. He wants to get in a fight. You can't do that, the quarterback. You can't fight.
1: Touchdown, Denver! Unbelievable! Alright,
2: all right, you're very welcome along to our uh, final Off the Ball NFL podcast of the year. I'm delighted to welcome Sam Monson of Pro Football Focus, Kean Faya of Football Outsiders, and Donnie Manny of the New England Patriots, and of course Off the Ball. Lads, you're all very welcome. Nice. Um, not a bad game, in the end.
3: very good game,
2: in the end. A, a fine and fitting way to finish a pretty topsy-turvy season, with added violence at the end for all our delectation, just to make sure that those who stayed up to watch the very, very final play got rewarded.
3: Absolutely. You can never have too many uh, wild haymakers <laughs> at the end of a game.
2: I don't think enough has been made of that, and all the hoo-ha about the actual uh, final play. It was, it was good to see that the Seahawks are such bad losers.
3: Yeah, I mean, you can kind of understand it, the way that game lost. I think there was an awful lot of people pretty ticked off by the end of it, and... I think there was a huge amount of kind of frustration and ill-discipline at jumping off sides on that final kind of uh, the fake, the the getting drawn off, you know, from the half yard line. Because they still
2: had a so if they get a safety there, they're going to get the ball back, right? Yeah,
3: if they get yeah exactly. If they get a safety, they're getting the ball back. They're going to have at least one more chance to to do something about it. But and to get
2: field goal range to kick a field goal to win the game.
3: Yeah, but the one thing you can't do is get drawn off, give the Patriots five yards to kneel down.
2: Yeah when that was game over at that point. Yeah,
3: and that's exactly what they did. So
2: I It was it was the previous play, though, that everybody's been talking about since then. Yeah, um, it, the yeah. worst play in the history of football? A, a couple of the Dallas Cowboys from the legendary dynasty decided that?
3: Yeah, I think Emmett Smith referred to it as the worst call in football he'd ever seen, um, which, you know, is certainly saying something. I think, uh, if it's me, I think the call to pass instead of run is definitely a bad call. I think you've got Marshawn Lynch, you've got half a yard to get, you've got a timeout anything other than giving him the ball or using the read option to fake giving him the ball and have Russell Wilson walk it in is a mistake in my eyes i think you know the, the, but the play they actually ran was smart it's the play that every nfl team has in their playbook at some point um and it's a play that works 90% of the time you know you'll see this in the red zone down by the goal line every week and Malcolm Butler, his that cornerback never makes the play. He's always caught up behind the, the front two guys, that, that press, that pick route, and he doesn't get close to it. But the Patriots just saw it coming. And, you know, between Browner absolutely killing his man on the line of scrimmage with the press and Butler just playing nothing other than the slant. You know, you see him in the slow-mo replays. He's moving before that ball's anywhere. He's moving before the guy starts his slant route. He's going for that. They knew it was coming. So... You know, it's it's kind of it's a fitting play actually to end it really, in that it's a smart play call, it's a smart design, but the Patriots knew it coming knew it was coming the whole way and took advantage of it's it. It's almost like
2: they had uh, extra knowledge of the situation that maybe other people didn't have. Keen, <laughs> um the worst play call of all time. Let's hear what you have to say.
0: Well, I don't know about all time, not all of us know about that, but I, I think it's it's the worst I've seen simply because Marshall Lynch was relatively contained in terms of Uh, overall yardage and average per carry. But every time he got the ball between the tackles, he was able to create yardage. He was able to get forward momentum. And like Sam said, they only needed half a yard. I understand throwing the ball. I understand throwing it because you want to think about getting all four downs and you only had one timeout. Which is kind of one of the understated things about it where they they actually spent two of their timeouts because they couldn't get set or they couldn't stop the ball in time, which is really bad end-of-game management. But if I was going to throw the ball in that situation, I would probably go to a fade route outside and just play it safe simply because I knew I had Marshall Lynch in the next two carries and I knew I was go- probably going to go to him for the score
2: and it had worked earlier um, does Russell Wilson he seems to have avoided all of the blame for this so far Does he? is he blameless?
0: I think he is because I don't really think you can blame him for throwing the ball because on that route you're, you're kind of putting the ball there for your receiver to go and win it you're not really sitting back making a read and making a poor decision and his pass wasn't wasn't awfully inaccurate it was, it was fine Lockett just couldn't beat the cornerback to the ball
2: Donnie uh, Malcolm Butler wasn't even on the field apparently when the Seahawks huddled for that play uh, two assistant coaches spotted what was going on and said out you go Sonny it's your time it was it, almost like
4: it was preordained uh, He, his mom was in an Uber car during the week before the game and she told him his son, her son was involved in the Patriots team and she said he said to him, "The Uber driver, I think something important's gonna happen to him," and it was true.
2: The best thing that you've seen from this Patriots team throughout the entire dynasty, winning this game in that fashion.
4: No, but it was pretty great. I mean, it was proof to people, haters, two of whom I'm sitting <laughs> right in front of, that um. I don't know. Just that the organization is made of. Uh, I don't know. Just has something more than. Just these sort of like franchises that just do their business in the league. That there's something just a bit special about them. That ultimately, is the the envy of uh, of everyone else. And you know, to sit in studio with people like yourself, Jar, who called for Jimmy Garoppolo, who oh, yeah. who libeled really, who if Tom Brady were to visit Ireland and to listen back to these podcasts, could take you I to court.
2: I don't think so. Got to- for
4: blasphemy, <laughs> for slander of his good reputation. I, I, I just wished, really, that, that I could have uh, watched the game in your presence and just to have these sort of, you know, to reminisce, to have, to be reeling back all of these, this dirge that or this bile that you've been spewing towards the Patriots for weeks after weeks after weeks <laughs> after weeks. After weeks
2: <laughs> They're good winners, aren't just they? Just
4: to realize. Very gracious. When you see that fourth quarter performance... Thirteen to fifteen, hundred twenty-four yards, two touchdowns. Incredible, um, you know, not like, not like this sort, not like a juggernaut robot machine kind of thing, but like just a, a brilliant plan executed to perfection. The third and fourteen pass, one of the greatest plays I've ever seen in uh, in my life watching football.
2: Who did that one go to? Which one was that?
4: It was third and fourteen to Adelman over the middle, the one where he Chancellor on and clocks he up. And he he gets up and runs another 10 or, 10 or fifteen yards. I just thought, like if that if they don't catch that pass, the game's over. Um, I don't know. I think you called it as a done deal around eight minutes left in the third. So, I mean, I, I it was just it was vindication for all of us, especially yeah. people have to who, whose job it is to defend the team every week on this <laughs> in this in this room. Uh, Brady wasn't bad. Uh, ultimately, coming
2: down that final fourth quarter, that was um, one of those career performances for him.
3: He was pretty good. They, the whole they did what I thought Denver had a chance to do last year, which is you can move the ball against the Seahawks team, but you have to do it in painfully short increments, and you have to chip away at them, you know, all the way and move the ball. You know, five yards, four yards, three yards, and you just have to keep going at it. And the they get it
2: with a very inferior, it turns out, running game as well.
3: Kind of, except like I say, it wasn't really in the game plan. They they understood that this is how you beat the Seahawks. You put it in the ball. You put the ball in the air. You just have to take it in small increments and kill them with a thousand paper cuts. And realistically, I think that's where the Patriots are best. This not just this year, but for a while now in that short passing game. It it also helps them mitigate the pass rush. You know, Brady had the ball in his hands an average, I think, just over two seconds in that game, which is you know way lower than most people. It's a full second, I think, lower than Wilson averaged, and it's perfect. It's it's the perfect game plan for them, and it just happens to be the the perfect game plan to beat Seattle.
2: Kane, is there a sense that the Seahawks actually blew this a little bit by not getting going a little bit earlier in the game, even though it was scoreless after the first quarter, they'd been pounded. And it was difficult for them to get a rhythm, difficult for them to get any confidence. And they actually, it turns out, have pretty much no faith in any of the receivers where they're going to a new kid who, as we all know now, was working in a shoe shop as recently as last November.
0: Um, I don't think that was as much of an issue because they were in such a good position in the third quarter. I think the two injuries to uh, uh, Jeremy Lane and Cliff Averill proved to be huge, especially Jeremy Lane because... What we've always said about the Patriots is they're great at exploiting your one weakness and your one big weakness, and they will go at it and go at it and go at it and throw the game, like they did to Rashan Melvin in against the Ravens. When Jeremy Lane was on the field and you had Maxwell outside, the Seahawks didn't really have a weakness, and Brady had thrown two picks, and he was struggling for the most part, I think, for the first three quarters. But then once they kind of got to attacking Harold Simon making Simon move laterally where he, he, wasn't, he really isn't able to because he's just a big, really lanky corner kind of who, who, uh, who couldn't match up to Edelman or Amendola. And once, once they were able to attack him, I thought that was kind of the, the way the game changed because they were just able to pick on him and, and exploit the weakness that wasn't really there beforehand.
2: Yeah, you still would have given the Seahawks every chance of winning this game um, at that point, regardless of the fact that the Patriots had managed to adapt and, and change, though.
0: Yeah, well, they, they obviously a lot of that was Brady. Brady turned it on in the fourth quarter, and he was just like like Donny highlighted that third and fourteen play was was fantastic. And he hit a, actually that third and fourteen play from Edelman's point of view as well was unbelievable because Cam Chancellor took him out. He he got a head to head hit, and, that, and he, he didn't get the penalty for it even. So you have to credit the Patriots as much as you you um, talk about the Seahawks collapse. But I think I would I would lean towards more credit towards the Patriots rather than blaming the Seahawks for anything they did except for the final play.
2: The um, future for Brady and Belichick, are they going to keep going? Um, well, it's too would early you, to say. I don't see why be they wouldn't. But. terribly surprised if he retires on the high? Which, both? Well, Brady, Belichick you can see going until he's 80. Well, <laughs> I
4: mean, Brady... The Being thing, just
2: one of those brains that kind of lives
4: in yeah, formaldehyde. There's, yeah. a, there's a lot of money there for Brady to walk away from and he's... Why not go? Why not give another year to be the to go for five? No one's done that, you know. Like I, I, you know, everyone is talking about how every how the whole the Brady re, had restructured his contract in order to, um, you know, so they could maybe cut their losses if they need to, and both parties could walk away. But given all of and also to allow them to be able to buy talents and so they yeah. can compete, yeah. Um, but like, well, I mean, to compete, what do you mean? I mean, they're the. One of the best four teams in the league every year for the last fifteen years. Like, I mean, last they, year uh, they weren't. Like, well, every sorry, second. they were the fourth best team. Yeah, but they. Well,
2: I don't know if they were. I think there were other teams who on the other side of the draw who were better than them. But anyway, they weren't. They they felt that they needed to get Revis, for example. They needed to spend a lot of money. And the point is that he was being nice with the cap space. That was the point I was making.
4: Yeah. Well, the um, like for I mean, obviously there's there's a lot that there's a lot of money around there for Brady, keeping the keeping guys like Revis, keeping guys like McCordy are really. You know those are calls that um, the crafts and Belichick are gonna have to make. I I don't see. I just don't. I don't. I. It's been such an emotional ride the last month with, for Brady and Belichick with the Patriots. I would be surprised that you know that they would just walk away at this stage. I I don't. But you know who's to say? Who knows what what Roger Goodell has up his sleeve with this gate thing for Seattle. Um it was interesting afterwards.
2: the The Patriots were the youngest team ever. I heard somebody say. I, I've only heard it said. I haven't. Um, yeah, on average. Yeah, um, which is obviously a very positive thing for them. And their ability to find heroes from the street is uh, now the stuff of legend again. But. For Seattle, they're obviously going to have to... We hear something about the Lynch contract. It has yet to be confirmed. We don't know if he's going to sign uh, for that amount of money, which is something like 10 million guaranteed next year. Um, Russell Wilson's going to become the highest paid player in football. They've already paid Richard Sherman. I think they've paid Cam Chancellor as well. Can they afford the amount of money that's going to be required to build a team? Or how do they, how do they maintain this level of competition?
3: I think so. And if you look at the guys they're putting the money in, it's the guys that are carrying the team. So... It's the right place to put the money, you know. If if you're going to make somebody on that team the highest paid corner, the highest paid quarterback, and you know if they give Lynch serious money, Lynch has been carrying that team through plenty of games. So the the weaknesses on that side are the team are the the positions where you can get relatively cheap fixes. You know, there's an awful lot of offensive linemen playing extremely good football, earning peanuts, and you know the offensive line is one of their problems to address. And same with receiver there's a lot of very good receivers earning not a lot amount of money especially if you hit in the draft um, and I think this year is a good year to be looking for a, a receiver in the draft maybe not as good as last year which looks to be yeah. historically ridiculous <laughs> yeah. but, but it's still a pretty good year to be needing them so they can definitely patch the holes on the roster while still spending the money
2: were they a receiver short this year if they had one player who can make a Harvin short maybe
3: yeah, I mean, Harvin definitely makes a difference. You know, you can say that they still made the right decision letting him go for chemistry. But, you know, we saw that coming into this game, the Seahawks receivers were never going to win consistently against the Patriots. The question was whether they could win enough, you know, for enough big plays. And they almost did it. You know, they got right down there with a few big plays from guys most people have never heard of. That You know, even at the end, there was the free catch down the sideline to put them in the position for this. All, you know, they basically came one play short. If if Curse, I think it was, who was yeah. the guy at the top of that stack, fights through Browner's block, those receivers did enough to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. But because he didn't...
2: Also, conditions Russell Wilson to playing with bad receivers, which he's going to have to do now, given that all the money that they would pay the receivers is going to him.
3: Yeah, I mean, we saw there was one beautiful pass in particular. It was on third and two, though, or third and short anyway, where Wilson went deep down the field. And I think Curse again, drops in his hands and he couldn't bring it in it, that's the kind of play where, okay, almost won the Super Bowl with these this crop of receivers. But if they're just a little bit better, that's, if they've got Al
2: Beckham in their team, for example, yeah.
3: Well, if they're just a little, even golden tape, way, maybe some way short of that. But if somebody catches that ball, the game's probably well over before we get anywhere near the the last play of the game.
2: Ken, the argument's raging about um, is this the greatest quarterback of all time? And uh, look, we could do a whole podcast on the merits, but it's uh, it's certainly a conversation that people are going to be having again about Tom Brady when say this time last year, there was a, well, Peyton Manning actually, you know, he's got all the better records and he's more efficient and maybe didn't play with such a good coach, whereas now Peyton Manning isn't even in that conversation anymore, is he?
0: Well, I think the whole greatest quarterback of all time thing is funny because if the Seahawks hand the ball off to Marshall Lynch today, we're probably talking about he threw two key interceptions and couldn't bring it back later on and people are saying can't win the big game again. All this legacy talk is generally pretty much nonsense, but... I, I do think you have to be impressed with the turnaround because even I said last year that I didn't think this team could come back to this point, and a lot of that was we had guys like Gronkowski's knee had been mauled, Vince Wilfork had been out for a year, uh, Gerard Mayo was out, and I think he he's played a big role in their turnaround since week four. But on the whole, I don't think he actually had a great season. I wouldn't have put him in the MVP conversation or, or anything like that. But he he came up at the at the right time, and that's. Generally, what's going to help you for legacy in terms of in terms of uh, going down in history and how how you're looked back on is always counted by Super Bowls. So I, I think the, the conversation will always go, but it, the conversation is designed to always go, isn't it? It's not really supposed to have an answer.
2: No, exactly. And was he the MVP of the game? Though was there anybody else in that conversation for you?
0: I think Julian Edelman, Edelman probably deserved it, especially since he seemed to be playing without a brain after <laughs> the Cam Chancellor hit, which was a bit dodgy. But I, I think Julian Edelman ha- had a good show for it. But I think mostly. But mostly you could have to give it to Brady because of the fourth quarter and because he made the key plays, even if he didn't make all the all the plays earlier in the game.
4: Another reason for Brady as MVP is that his interceptions, while they looked terrible, were actually tactical. <laughs> <laughs> they were designed to injure the players on the defense. Once Averill goes off, the, um, the, the Seattle patch rush seems to just totally dwindle, even though they had bossed the whole third quarter. And Jeremy Lane gets his arm broken by, I think, Amendola on the... Are uh, the reception returns so like I hadn't seen the tactical interception used by quarterbacks before, but it's just a sign of the genius of Brady that he knows what he's doing like that.
3: It looked an awful lot more like the ground broke uh, Jeremy Lane's arm than Amendola. No? Oh,
4: something it didn't look nice anyway. No,
2: uh, Gronkowski, um, sixty-eight yards and a touchdown, a spike, and <clears throat> fitting into the season for him very important, but not quite as dominant maybe as the Gronk pre-injuries was.
3: Uh, maybe. I think it's probably more that he just isn't as featured in this kind of game plan. You know, he works more of the intermediate stuff. That's where he's really effective. Ah, and so
2: they're not using that? Is that the...
3: Yeah, I mean, they were sticking far shorter, right, more or less, on this field. Their average depth of target was like six yards or something ridiculous, which is, you know, Alex Smith levels of, of futility in terms of yeah. taking it down the field. And Gronkowski, you know, he's obviously not a kind of... Down the sideline, deep threat, but he's the guy that works in that kind of 10 to 20 range in the middle of the field. So I don't think he was, it was that he wasn't that dominant. It's just that he wasn't as featured in this game plan.
2: Why, when you know what Tom Brady's going to do and you're the Seattle Seahawks with one of the greatest defenses of all time, why can't you stop him?
3: It's really tough to try and stop that short, quick stuff. You saw, I mean, Wes Welker made a career out of it and everyone knew what he was going to do every single play, but you don't have guys that can do that. You know, he's quick. They're, if you look at Edelman, Welker, amandola, those guys are really quick in short areas. And, you know, if you don't really have anyone that can match them in terms of putting man-to-man coverage, trying to lock up with them, you know, individually. And if you try and cover them with zones, they're just too smart. They'll just wait until they clear a zone, and Brady will wait until they clear a zone, and there's your completion. And it's only, you know, defenses are kind of conditioned to let you have four, five, six yards in passing plays because you usually it's not a big problem because teams don't do it every single play Yeah, but if you do every single play and you're able to do it without turning the ball over eventually you get to the end zone exactly
4: and that's a bit of a problem.
3: Yeah, that's where the issues start.
4: <laughs> Simon on that touchdown. I mean, he's got to know exactly what's coming. But I don't. I think even though you know he can expect that little juke and the fade out to the right. Like I, I still don't think there's any way of stopping it other than t- like just tackling him.
3: You've got to give him credit though for the the truly optimistic, you know, call for hey, there was there must have been a push off there. Yeah, yeah. no way <laughs> he got that open without a push off.
4: I could spot, but that. Brady is still frustrated, like with that throw that Adelman had. You know, like he, when he just overthrew him um, on the the pass before the Amendola touchdown. I don't know. It was just a weird game because they had. I mean, I thought the game was going to be. I thought the whole game was gonna be more like the third quarter, and that Seattle's defense would dominate. Um, but that the third quarter was just the, was more the aberration. Um, somehow, you know, once the Seattle, it seemed like everything was collapsing in that in the third, and then the Seattle pass rush just. They get it under control, the pocket sort of opens up so Brady's sort of stepping forward and throwing a bit more downfield. Like I, I was just surprised um I thought I thought we were done when in that you know when the, once Bennett started to just get a tent on everything. But I guess maybe Avril going off changed, changed what their their defense could do.
3: Yeah, I hadn't actually I hadn't looked too closely at that, but I think you take an edge rush guy out of the equation; it does give you an awful lot more space in the offensive line, or gives you more options. Anyway,
2: Kim, what's your final takeaway from this before we wrap up our final podcast of the year?
0: Um, I, I think it's just you have to focus on the the comeback from the Patriots, and I think one of the one of the keys we don't really talk about enough is the health of the players. Because I was looking at it yesterday; you, you look at Tom Brady towards ACL years ago, you look at Gronkowski uh, towards ACL last year you look at tore towards ACL two or three years ago. Uh this team you look at Vince Wilfork towards Achilles last year and you just look at the work these guys have had to do to get back to even being competitive in a playoff team, it's it's phenomenal and it's just all down to the culture and, and coaching and everything about the, the Patriots that has been the Patriots for the last fifteen years. Uh we won't mention the the Flake and cheating though, we leave that part out.
2: Uh, from Belichick's perspective, the the performance and the ability to turn around the early start of the season, what's that down to?
0: I, I, to be honest, you, I couldn't tell you. I, they, they've just executed so much better since week four. I think it's just him coaching him, getting, getting them focused on minor details, getting the kind of execution where it needed to be. I do think they kind of changed their offense a little bit in terms of what Sam was saying, where they were focusing a lot more on shorter passes and they, they in entering the season over the last couple of years they focus focused on short passes but I think it's gone to a more more of an extreme in recent times and that plays to Brady's strength obviously at his age he doesn't have the huge arm he doesn't have the arm strength to push the ball down the field with ease anymore so uh, you've you just got to be smart with that and rely on his intelligence to pick a part defence
2: One last question before you all go um, uh, Josh Gordon's banned for a year at least for three drinks on an airplane
3: apparently sounds like yeah. It. yeah it's a bit harsh it is it's very harsh in fact um, on the other hand you know it is kind of the stipulations he was living with in terms of being in this program already he does say that There's a certain he
2: thought it stopped at the end of the season and this is the day after the end of the season and sure but he if, arrives off the plane, and they go oh we need to test you he's like
3: oh yeah, that's, that's a, a bit harsh. of a problem <laughs> but on the, you know this is the kind of thing that you should probably check if it's going to cost you a year of action and a year of Salary in the NFL, and I think even I worse would than that. I want to make sure what the rules are. It means he's just, not going to be
2: a free agent for another year as well, so he do not get any of the money. I think
3: mean. they were already, um, they'd already made sure that by the suspension they handed them the last time, the Browns yeah, with deactivating for a couple of games that that left this season short of the threshold he needed to accrue in terms of free agency. So yeah. I think they'd already saved themselves that.
4: If I was Gordon, I would have a lawyer hired full time just to watch me every every step of my life. Can I have the sandwich? Do you think yeah. I can sandwich? Is it? You, there you alcohol in it First, and uh, and tell me. Like it, uh, it's a shame, but it's I find it hard to have sympathy for him in a way as these things pile up because like he knows they're they're doggedly chasing him, you know.
2: Keen, any thoughts on um on the, this down note to leave the podcast for now? <laughs>
0: I, I do think he, um, it's just sad in general with Gordon, but he, he wrote a letter, an open letter on, I can't remember where it was, but it, it's very, maybe maybe someone else wrote it, but if you're presuming he wrote it, it's very articulate and very self-aware, seemingly, so I, I would suggest maybe he does have a problem that he can't control, but we're all just speculating on these kinds of things.
2: All right, we've got to leave it there. My thanks to Sam and Cian for being with us throughout the year, folks. Great to have you uh, along for the ride. It's been a hell of a year. Awesome. Uh I, I, uh, like any other highlights apart from the Super Bowl?
3: No, I think that's, that's a beautiful way to end the season. It was a great game and a great finish.
2: Thanks very much to Keen Faya, Football Outsiders, and Sam Monson, the Pro Football Focus. Donnie's staying with us because we're getting Mick in to um, do the around the office. Cheers. I got the All right, a little bit of Katy Perry there to bring you right back to halftime in the Super Bowl. Uh, Sam and Kean are gone, they've been replaced by Mick McCarthy. So, clowns to the left and me, Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with the Patriots. You should, you should be aware, Michael, that we've already had a, a Richard Sherman moment. Donnelly decided that he was going to be a classless winner. He mentioned it to me, but I haven't heard <laughs> it. And attacked. I just went down the attack. So
1: so what you're saying is that's been done
2: yeah, go the other way. Have,
1: have some class. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I
2: will. Have plenty of class. Just like the Seahawks had class at the end of the game, eh? hey uh, My favourite post-game, the Seahawks are bad losers, which I've already mentioned. Well, my favourite one comes from Dan Hanses on the around the NFL podcast. So I sent you the link to it. I don't know if you both had a chance I to listen to it. didn't it. work. I heard it. Uh, so Michael Bennett is being asked a load of questions, and he's given out to, oh, the most you ever lifted in your life was a microphone. So every question that has come has so far been battered away with some bad tempered, annoyed. He's just lost the Super Bowl, maybe. And also he was on his way to being an MVP before an injury robbed him of the potential to somebody else, obviously. Yeah. And the question is, uh, so uh, what was the feeling on the sideline after one of the greatest catches in the history of the NFL is followed almost immediately by an interception? What were the levels of shock like? Not the greatest question, as your man admits, but, you know, he says, give him a break. <laughs> About as shocked as your wife when she saw your penis for the first time.
4: Because it's small. <laughs> I, I think it was the second because it's small but that really hurt. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> There's this silence in the room, and then he goes
2: because it's small. <laughs> the,
1: the last time we discussed Michael Bennett on this podcast, that we was talking about kissing his cousin. Oh yeah, and being into his cousin. The, he wears cool. Who looks like him? Sun hats.
4: Michael Bennett, uh, before the Super Bowl, had said he's actually a pretty good quarterback. He said he's on like um, Blaine Gabbert level quarterback. If if he was if it was required of him, he's a legend. <laughs> on Blaine Gabbert level. Well, that's not bad. <laughs> like
1: uh poor Blaine Gabbert. Like I mean, I know he's not. NFL starter quality but if you've got probably you know, rich defensive linemen saying that you are as good as him he's probably rich yeah well okay well that's not the answer to all of life's problems sure. Well, like, he enough. might have some ambition you know
2: yeah I'd say his ambition was to get rich playing American football and he's done that yeah he's not going to be a Hall of Famer no
4: anyway this isn't the podcast to talk about Blaine Gabbert no you uh, so
2: you were half time They've just the the Seahawks have finally woken up and have just yeah. scored a, so an half, amazing sequence of play.
1: Half time was a bit of a downer because I thought the Patriots played very well in the first half and had pretty much dominated the game and should have been way ahead and should have been way more than 14-7 as it was and then looked like going to be fourteen ten and then obviously they got this they got the uh, they got the touchdown at the end with six x which was a like like that's a pretty ballsy play regardless of the Patriots you know completely going to sleep on defense for. A minute at the end of the second half, the you know you got to give considering all what went on later and what we'll get to, or what has been got to in most of this podcast, I imagine, is you know that's a pretty ballsy play that should be given credit for.
2: I think that probably you can't make the play at the end of the first half and not make the play at the end of the second half. That's just who they are. This one didn't work out in that sport. Yeah, and
1: look, I've been hearing a lot of you know, you know Tom Brady legacy conversations, Pete Carroll. You know, loads of things. Oh, if Jermaine Kearse had caught that ball on third down when he was wide open. You know, there's a lot of ifs here, all kind of seemingly leading. Now, this is my Patriot fan bias, but, you know, maybe the Seahawks fans will look at it a different way. All leading to say that, oh, if this had happened, the Seahawks would have won the Super Bowl. Yeah, but hang on. But hold
2: on. They also made a catch that makes absolutely no sense. And Brady also threw an interception. If if it goes the other way, and if the Seahawks win... All the Patriots fans are going, well, yeah, well, you're the only
1: one because blah, 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 blah.
2: And that's just how it goes. The losing team always I'm ta- complains. I'm not talking about the losing and team, the, though. The, I'm the,
1: talking about the media talking about the game. No, I think uh, that... And, yeah. oh, well, maybe, maybe... So Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. Everybody's... The other guy goes, well, maybe if they'd lost the game, you know, would he have been... Well, yeah, because he still would have had that amazing
4: fourth quarter
1: that was... And he would have been let down by the rest of the team. Yeah, but it does that though. That's if, how it works.
4: If the Pages lose the game, there's a million pages fans going... How the hell do we have the worst coach in the history of what the well, hell yeah. is happening to Bill Belichick like, in that last minute? Why do you not just Call press the time out. Why are call uh, like, what are you doing? Wake up! Are I you can't
1: dead? Believe it. Think. I was <laughs> going to talk like my thought process for that last couple of minutes of the game was you know going from that catch, going from incomplete pass, everybody in the place I'm watching it cheering. Well, the Patriots fans there, was which are less, are way less it? than half in D two in in Harcourt Street. And very, very good setup, I have to say, actually. It was a pay in thing. It was uh, pretty packed and massive big screen, really good atmosphere. You didn't hear the, the commentary? The, you could hear the commentary in almost all of the pub, but the place where I was beside the big screen, you really couldn't. But I've watched the game since. Anyway, uh, the pass goes down. Everybody thinks they completely sit down. I kind of realise, you know, when you, it's a corner of your eye. You see that he got up and tried to run. You're yeah. going, shit, he caught this ball. And I'm just, all I can think of is the helmet catch. It's all I can think of. And I was like, it's happening again. And every Patriots fan in the world is thinking that. And it's like, and, you know, even when I, li- when I, when I listen back to the commentary and Michaels and Collinsworth didn't realise it was a catch until, it the felt like ages. It yeah. felt like ages. And even before they realised there was a possibility of the catch. So I'm there thinking, this is over, this is over. And I'm immediately thinking, let them in. Which now looking back at it, I'm not sure was the best policy because they say you don't do it if you're winning the game. If the, the reason they did it against the Giants was because they can hold out, kick the easy field goal and win the game and there'll be no time left. They don't need to go for the touchdown. Here you can always try and stop a touchdown. But it, my thought process is let them in, let them in, let them in. Lynch goes for the run, stopping the one. I'm thinking, damn, that's a timeout gone then he doesn't call the timeout mm-hmm. and we're there what is oh no, this
2: week angry producer Mick is angry at Bill Belichick for not calling the timeout <laughs> no, no 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 I'm just going through the top <laughs> process.
1: this is all happening so quickly and there's a million things going through your head and I'm just thinking what is he doing what is he doing so then they line up for the play and that's all that's still in my head and yeah. I think a lot of people were like that and then they throw the ball and I kind of you're not even in that you're not even in that part of your brain where you can process whether that's a good or bad idea and I cheer because I think they've broken up the pass yeah. and I think right we've got another chance they're going to run it now and then next thing everybody around me has gone mad and I'm sitting down and I kind of turn around to my friend and go was that an interception? <laughs>
3: <What>? <laughs>
1: and he goes yeah it was an interception you just won the Super
3: Bowl. I go, what the
1: hell so everything and then like you know that elation gets turned into sitting back down again and going Bill Belichick really just coached that last minute terribly, which was a very weird thing to think. Didn't even think of how badly Carol had done it until like 10 minutes later, because obviously that wasn't my thought process. But yeah.
4: It was a... Yeah. Well, it also... Hold on. It took 10 minutes for the game to end, because, I mean, that was the reason yeah, yeah. Like yeah. how... I was flashing back to the Baltimore game, like how the hell... What... So they're gonna bottle this now. Give them the ball back and like lose by a point on like a safety and a, and a yeah. is even uh, a sixty-yard field goal. I mean, is that what <laughs> is that what you're gonna do to us now, Belichick? I thought of all those things,
1: but wasn't that like I wasn't I never th- I thought the game was over. I have to say, so I just said, look, they're not gonna take a safety. They're gonna take a quarterback well, sneak. Yeah, I if was... they need to, you know, and Tom Brady will always get you a yard on a quarterback sneak. He's definitely not gonna be tackled behind the line, mm-hmm. a full yard behind. So I was never yeah. too worried about that and then when they went outside I just laughed that was the first time I was relaxed enough to just laugh when they That's jumped so outside and then they got yeah. into a fight and then that laugh turned to anger so it was really really the fight was brilliant an emotional cool. 50 seconds or whatever awesome. the hell all that happened yeah
4: it was really sick there was no repercussions for the fight were there uh, Irvin got kicked out but no yardage or anything it was um, like uh, I yeah, don't no, know it was
1: 15 yards they took a knee nearly up to 20 did they yeah
4: yeah, no, know.
1: I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure the last knee was well up the field Again, by that stage, everything was mental, but yeah, just like, I mean, I don't know whether that, I was thinking about that this morning, just like the, the range of emotions in such a short period of time, I don't know if that sums up how incredible, regardless of what side you were on, that Super Bowl was, and especially the last minute of it, like it was, I, look, I remember the Arizona and Steelers game really well, and I don't think I've ever been more excited about a game that I didn't have a rooting interest in.
2: Which was the Arizona State That game. was
1: uh, uh, James Harrison at a 95-yard uh, return. Larry Fitzgerald got a, a touchdown to go up under a minute, and then Santonio Holmes caught one right in the cor- the far corner of the end zone to win the game as time expired All right, from Roethlisberger. That was fantastic. But I don't think it was as good as this. I really don't.
4: Yeah, I mean, look, if you don't have a team involved in it, I think it's a different experience, um, and Patriots fans to... To go through all the emotions of Brady in the fourth quarter, the two drives, and then the the i the thing the reason I was really worried about this game was just because I thought Russell Wilson has a sort of weird sort of voodoo where like even like somehow he always wins, yeah no matter what. And, like, you could, like, what was he? It was two for four at halftime? Oh, with God. 50. Two
1: for four at halftime. See, they never had the ball. <clears throat> we were talking about a little bit yeah, about they, they were
4: done.
2: very poor with the three downs they got.
4: Yeah. But by, um, by the third quarter, like, it just seemed like the whole, like, finally Seattle had figured everything out and the Patriots were just done. They couldn't, yeah. like, they, you know, Brady had to make throws and all this kind of stuff. Um, and even in that fourth quarter when he's, when Wilson, on that last drive, he's throwing that those balls up, um, getting catches. And then that curse catch... It's just like you're staring you're you're staring the cruel fate of sport like right in the face, like this is all to screw with you. Yeah. It's crazy. Um That's exactly what I was feeling. You're just like, Well, Lynch is there, like you you know what's gonna happen. I went through a weird ritual where I was listening to the game on I was watching it on a laptop in Stony Better and in the third quarter I need everything was going away from the Patriots, so I felt like I needed to change the energy in the room. <laughs> so I I turned the commentary off. And I just watched it and was just kind of looking at tweets and just watching it on mute. And right around the time I did that, everything seemed to change. So, like I'm sitting, <laughs> You did it, Daddy. Yeah, well, you no, won the super I, did it, I did it for myself. But it was just weird watching. You know, so I'm just kind of watching that last everything unravel in that last minute. And, and like, is, the,
2: is the are the tweets not way ahead of your legal feed?
4: Um, they're sort of like in. They're sort of synchronous, I would sort of look at the ad look at so the it takes long the, enough to type stuff out, yeah, it. I was look at the tweets during the ads, but it was just like just the time- i I really think Belichick maybe the rationale is he just let the clock run and was like i I think if if there's a time out there, Carol realizes, look, we're gonna run it, yeah, but no, in that is the logic. in the sort of in these watching those seconds slip away 51, fifty one fifty forty nine forty eight four Carol had to sort of, he had to just kind of put his chips down and play it. And, like, you know, he made a bed. I think he made the wrong decision. See,
2: the thing is, right, it isn't Carroll. It's his offensive coordinator who yeah. makes the call. And then, who now is getting blamed for saying, well, Lockett could have been a bit mm. stronger at getting it. I think he's totally right. The guy could have been a bit stronger. I made the call. I stand over the call. Mm-hmm. This guy didn't. That's the way it goes. It's as much on me as it is on him. But now he's like, oh, they need to sack him to draw... And, Alignment. Yeah, it's just uh, put the one play super bowl back to back
1: yeah the guy's pretty good i i'm pretty sure carol has a say in confirming the he call over, over in the last. Yeah, yeah and he's there true, on the headset he didn't
2: make the call no he didn't look and also i don't think the call's that bad really i understand i've i've read all the stuff now explaining this is game management they've had two situations where they've left too much time on the clock for teams one yeah it's, it goes week. to overtime and when they lose the game on a field goal, and that's a stupid way to lose. So oh, I suppose they wouldn't have lost. The there's, a,
4: there's a stat that Lynch has had five uh, yards a season inside the one yard line, and he's only gotten the end zone once. Yeah. So like, I mean, you could you can twist the numbers or however. It's not nailed on that he was going to do it I don't think thing, so.
2: and everybody keeps going, oh, ah, yeah. yeah. But
4: it, it was just weird how I mean I guess it's just a Twitter, it's a, like in the age of Twitter thing, but like within five minutes. The verdict on that decision had been written in stone, and this was the dumbest thing that had ever happened. Yeah. Um. I mean, in fairness, though, I <coughs> mean, like if, if I don't know, I mean, Belichick gets bailed out there in so many ways. I think he's he he, he never looked it down on the other side. No. It's just amazing how these things go. I
1: agree with you about Belichick in 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 general. The one thing I'd say on the side, and it goes to what kind of Carol said about the choice of play and everything that they wanted to waste it down, so that they. Seattle with one timeout didn't have time to run that ball three times if they didn't get in the first two so they needed that clock to stop to, so you know get a touchdown or stop and they weren't counting on the patriots not taking a timeout there so once they get in they're in second down and one the clock's running there's 24 seconds left in the super bowl they're expecting a timeout it doesn't come suddenly you know, they're left on the field. What they have, the clocks, the 40 seconds mm-hmm. is going down. They have to run a play. There's a bit more pressure on them. There's a, there's a, they have to make a. Uh, they look at what lineup the Pats have out and have to make a much quicker decision than they were expecting. There is logic to what Belichick did at the time. And God only knows if if they'd let it in, whether I'd be saying all this. But there is logic there, regardless. And every, decisions have to be made. You're on a one-yard line. It's probably not your fault, regardless.
2: Yeah. If they end up scoring a touchdown, so what happens is they they go with their three receivers. And at that point, I was saying earlier on, the um, Mack and Butler wasn't on the field. Two assistant coaches go. They've changed the play. They're going to be three wide receivers. You need to get out there and do this thing you've been practicing all week for. Go and get the ball. And uh, at that point, is Russell Wilson not looking? Go. Everybody's covered. They've responded. Did you not see the pictures of how open Lockout looked? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing like, an audible. Yeah, and I'm going to take this ball. And every time I've taken the ball today, every single time yeah, I've taken the ball, ball well, that's, I've
4: wandered in. Yeah, no, I, I was. That's what I was was really fearing. If you, they ran that play in the Green Bay game, I think it was this maybe the, the not the maybe the <coughs> the touchdown that tied the, the game or the one that I don't know before the onside kick, and it was just that kind of. That sneak and they're, they're, you can't stop it. I mean, I know they had a guy in the backfield, but like he would have, he would have sauntered in. Yeah, I don't know. I, they were picking on, um, they were picking on um, on Butler. So I think maybe he just, he was just like, we're going for a match. But like the the receivers on Seattle aren't good. You know, like no, These guys, like they're relying on Lockettes and the Matthews of the world. I mean, you play fantasy; those guys aren't it. They're, they're, they're <laughs> you are. have
1: you have to give some like credit to Butler. It's like.
2: Oh yeah, told totally. you. He
1: he had struggled and they'd picked on him, and then three plays in a row, one of which led to a catch. They he made um, great plays, so he batted down. He batted down the thing. He batted down that curse catch. There's one in a billion yeah. chance of him getting that. Was, that was good defense, good Sam, coverage.
2: Sam was saying when he arrived in that they were doing that play all week in practice because yeah. they'd seen the the uh, Seahawks had used this play three times before the season, and uh, every time in training, Butler was getting burned, and it it always resulted in a score. Um, except this time obviously he had just seen it and decided yeah and seen it coming and there's, there's a
1: really good footage I only seen it this morning of, of uh, basically on the side of the end zone just a fan camera and just how far he actually came from it, it was on Bill Barnwell's piece uh, of Grantland you should check it out it's, he read that piece before it was out of Russell Wilson's yeah. hand and I'm went I'm going to, to catch it as
4: well just to, just to hold on to it yeah not to know? give him another chance
2: yeah. I'm going to look into how we can make that happen Tom Brady said about giving the MVP truck to, <laughs> uh, to Malcolm Butler yeah. As opposed to just giving it to him. I'm well, going to look and see how we can make that happen. Well, there's we, contracts and stuff. You know how <laughs> contracts
4: are. You do we had a discussion on Monday. It's now his. It's his. Is it, is it like- yeah, it's like well, he's four other ones. I'd say three other ones.
1: As you can probably Two imagine, Jerry, of- we spent a lot of Monday in the office talking about the Super Bowl among the whole team, not just me and Donnie, We've converted over the lads. But one of the things we talked about were how well these guys know each other. Whether uh, mm-hmm. you know, like does Tom Brady? I was like impressed. Uh, yeah. I was impressed that he knew Malcolm Butler's name yeah. when he was up there on the thing. And you know, like they don't. He's spend, that kind of guy in training. training like, you've never on. seen him in training. But you know what? He does, Tom. And then Joe dug out these quotes from Brady, where he just came across as the nicest man in history, where he said these lovely things about Butler and what they, you know, and him taking notice of him in training camp yeah, and all this. Mm-hmm. That I think was made before the Super Bowl, wasn't it? I don't know. I'm don't pretty know. sure those quotes were made before the Super Bowl. But anyway, look, just one more thing I wanted to say that we were talking about it.
2: Earlier. I'd like to got him. I'd like to have to Tom Brady invent a name and say, "This guy's uh, mm-hmm. he's a rookie, undrafted free agent in your backfield." There, what do you think of him? Oh man, he's such a great guy. He's one of the world's most gentle. He's an absolute, he's an angel.
1: (laughs) Malcolm Butler. Oh, what a guy. (laughs) We, uh, me and Donnie briefly discussed this on Monday, and it's just one bit of the analysis that I feel like hasn't been made, uh, anything's been made of, and it pertains to Brady's fourth quarter comeback and doing that on the Seahawks, who have been a second half team and nobody's been able to do it against them, was time of possession. And we talked about Russell Wilson being two of four and Seattle not getting anything going except for when they got the two touchdowns in the first half. I think it was 18 30 to 11 30 or something like that at halftime. The Patriots had the ball like a Dallas, like a running team. Brady threw the ball 50 times, but they were all short. They were all kind of like four yards, three yards, yeah. and stuff like that. And that wore them down. And I've no doubt about it. Now, obviously, two big injuries. Yeah. Uh, added to that as well, when Avril went out with the concussion, it was massive. It kind of took Bennett yeah. out of the game. But I really do think they were worn down, and I don't think anybody's talked about that. You know, it the finishes, Patriots owned the ball for the first half. It
2: finishes thirty three twenty six on time of possession. Thirty three
4: forty 14 It leveled off over the th- it was third quarter. I, I would, I just, just in the NFL, not make any sense. Like, because Seattle seemed like they just had them totally beaten third quarter, and then whatever Brady makes that. That throw to Edelman and everything from there on just goes their way. I don't know. It's amazing. I just want to say about... I was gone. I was gone in the third quarter. I thought it was done. I have to say. Be Mm -hmm. it me. Like, I have to... You know, Seattle were very good. They were, yeah. They looked totally done and dusted. I mean, Seattle's defense is really good, right? Brady can't throw 20 yards down the field, but they managed to win the Super Bowl with Vereen. 11 catches. Edelman. 9 catches. Gronkowski. 6 catches. And... Like Amendola and LaFell sort of in around the margin, Maybe four between them, but a touchdown each. The teams with, you know, five, four years ago, Gronkowski, Hernandez, um, Amendola Welker. Five, four. Welker. Like, I mean, that Brady three years, four years younger. Completely like a juggernaut offense. Like, to, to do what they did. McDaniels. Wait, no running game. Like, they just gave up on that. Like... McDaniels, I think, has a lot to do with it, but I, you just—it it, was—it was really well done.
1: I have to like what Brady did in the fourth quarter. Adam Edelman was
4: clearly thinking? concussed and yeah. didn't go off. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I didn't read. It. I, I honestly didn't know anything about that until this morning. Oh yeah, I read. It. I didn't know it that at the time. <laughs> you didn't see the explosion. I swear that. to God, I didn't. I really didn't. I didn't know <laughs> it was anything brain about. It. I couldn't even remember the play, even though it was this like crazy third down that he got fourteen yards on yeah. I remember it. I remembered as being in long yardage and all, but
2: anyway. So what you're telling us is you were pissed by the
1: end of the game. You didn't care. Oh God, I cared. I cared too much, sure. Oh, about Julian Edelman's brain. I didn't notice it. <laughs> I have to be honest, man. I didn't. I read it this morning and said I must look at that. Yeah, I was I don't like that idea. If he was concussed and he didn't go through any protocols
4: and he didn't take him the off, doctors the doctors were that's ringing The
1: doctors were the, the doctors, yeah, yeah, I
3: read
4: that again as well. Yeah. I'm sure if you asked him, he would say, "Well, these are the sacrifices I want. I choose to make to do this job that I love to do." It's the fourth it's, quarter
1: it's, of the Super Bowl, but it's not good enough. You have to just
4: do it. No, they could have done
1: it without him. He got that catch, and that was <laughs> what he did. You know, their 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 offense was so good. He gets the, the ball court. again
2: after that. He drops one, I think. When he did, mm, I don't know. Was the, it was, it
1: wasn't was. before again. his touchdown, was it?
4: No. It was, it was on the way to the m Dolan. and oddly, like, it was the, um... His... his, his the they Brady kept just being able to feel. get,
2: like, they they always kept finding someone to run towards the sideline, turn around, and stop, and then make five or six yards after the catch. I was like, well, just mark that guy. Yeah. Yeah. They
1: it did. It's, the, the, that was really good coaching, though, from what I've, again, I don't sure. know enough about the game to that, but that's like i I, I can't remember game. whether it was thomas or chancellor but one of them their, their 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 weak point is running laterally across the field so they had a guy always on him going across takes him a little bit out and then one of the things they they brady fixes them apparently where they look and yeah. so they they stop and then he goes and it's yeah. too late he can't make that ground up and they fix they fixed on seattle's apparently their only tackling weakness being on a twist so that was like, you know, that they, they, they did all this. This wasn't by accident.
2: No, it's uh, I was watching the America's game for the first Patriots one and Belichick's talking about how they've studied the body language of the linemen to see whether or not it's going to be a run or a pass play and they can tell because one of the guys has a hands down for a run, hands up for a pass. And is that what they did in the last play? I don't know. Well, it felt like they knew it was coming. If you watch, if you watch
1: Malcolm Butler... As that ball is snapped, if you watch him, there's a great—I I haven't seen the coaches' tape that the lads talk about, but I've just seen this fan footage. Mm-hmm. If you watch Butler, he's gone as that ball is snapped, yeah. and he makes it. And it was—he did very well to hold on to it, actually. But
4: uh, look, and here, <laughs> shout out <laughs> to uh, shout out to Dante Hightower for making that tackle. I missed it. I, everybody's been talking about it. Uh, then, Which one is it? So it's on the play before the interception. Um, they, they run out. Um, they run to Lynch. Lynch. Seems like he's a clear kind of shot in the end zone. Um, Russell Okung, the uh, the lineman on Seattle, pretty much gets his hands on Hightower in the backfield or sort of uh, at the, at the line. Tower, Hightower manages to get around him and just sort of dive and take Lynch's leg out and just he brings him down at the then, one. Uh, yeah, air er, tackles him
1: forward and that's how he gets to the yeah, one. But yeah. it's an incredible tackle. How he moves off the blocker yeah. onto the tackle and get behind him enough to stop him. It's if you just see it in slow motion, it's really and also the type of player
4: you're thinking. Why are you doing that? Let him in. Let him in. Oh well, you're that's. What I was the thinking at the time, but well, yeah, that's yeah. not how it worked out. I guess I didn't. I didn't want to see six, 58 seconds left. That drive it. Yeah, and, and 50 yards. So all in all, anyway. my,
2: my takeaway from this season is that um, you're all for cotton no knickers when it comes to fantasy, but you're not bad at picking games, Mick. Seven so, and
1: out for the last seven games of the season. That's
2: okay. And I had Seattle in here and changed my mind.
1: Last time. Did we bully you and change your mind? No, not really. It was just I got I got hyped. Yeah. I did I actually by by the start of the game and definitely all the way through the first half, I did think the Patriots are gonna win. I was very impressed at how they were moving the ball and taking time off the clock.
2: Definitely watching but, the game at home is my preferred. I couldn't yeah. imagine uh, I'd, I'd be country. fifty fifty.
1: There was a lot of things annoying me. Uh I have to say, See like, you know, Seattle became very, very close to winning two Super Bowls in a row. Yeah. Like inches an away team. and history gets changed by what happens in one little play. But like, you know, after what happened to Wilson in the NFC but championship hopefully that's game. the end
2: of Seattle now. They're gonna overpay Russell Wilson. He'll, yeah, he'll get a
1: bit fat and chubby. Lynch and, will go. But yeah. for what this team was, we have to have more uh, podcasts throughout the, the rest of the, the spring and winter coming up to the draft. Free
4: agency, fascinating. Surely um having two Patriots fans on a NFL podcast, has been vindicated that decision, that <laughs> editorial decision that we made when we we were thinking about bringing in a Packers fan or maybe a Raiders fan. You yeah, know, we Raiders went with fan. two Patriots fans for the listeners' benefit because we knew back in August that this team had a destiny and a Patriots hater. And
2: um, just for the for the listeners, there's a little insight into how miserable the next six months of our lives in yeah, the office yeah. are going to be. Thanks we, very we much definitely for we will
1: do a podcast about how uh, how the Patriots can hold on to Rivas McCordy and Shane Vereen who are all what free if, ages. we won't do that Could we?
4: we might do that what if we turn it into just a Patriots podcast and we just
1: and have Jared just there like giving out all the time yeah yeah, Man, we can, we can use
4: our contacts in the Boston media Look, get rid of the other two guys they've got
1: one more Super Bowl next year and then they'll <laughs> compete the following year and then it's done like then honestly the Patriots disappear for a while so it's, yeah, it's not forever
4: lads we'll just win another
1: quick
2: three to all of the listeners <laughs> who've uh, bothered listening to the end particularly for this part uh, my thanks for being part of our magical journey this year and uh, we'll see you again real soon Mick, Donnie thanks lads congratulations see you for the draft special <laughs> cheers